following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning, everybody. Give that to the Lord. Come on, give that to Jesus. Yeah, he's worthy. He's worthy. Come on, clap for him. Wow, what a joy. What a joy. Are you glad to be here today? That's a rhetorical question. What a joy to see you. And what a happy time we're having today. The baptisms. Uh, do you have a number for me, Cassidy? Okay, not yet. That's my daughter. So nobody else answer if I say Cassidy except her. It's good to see all of you. I missed you last week. Where were y'all? <laughs> we went down to Lumberton to speak. One of our wonderful assistants, in fact, my first full-time assistant here many years ago, worked with us and we was in a little A-frame building and we built a, another structure on this property and it would seat about 600 people. We thought we'd be a BB in a boxcar. We didn't think we'd ever fill it. And we filled it four times on Sunday. We started filling it four times on Sunday. So God is up to something. And so when we built this during the pandemic, we just believed that God was going to help us. Not only has God helped us, but you've helped us with your continual giving, your continual care, your love for the house, your love for the house. The Queen of Sheba said when she came to visit Solomon's temple, she said, your servants are all happy. I, I, I love pastoring a happy group of people. And you folks come in smiling. You come in smiling. When I see uh, some of you guys, and, and I'm old enough to be the daddy of all of you, but when I see some of you young men come in with beautiful wives, I'm thinking, boy, you ought to be smiling all the time. <laughs> you really ought to be. Amen. But what a joy to see all of you. It's just an honor to pastor such a great group of people. And uh, we're going we're gonna to have a wonderful time. Now, Wednesday night, Wednesday night, we're back in, in church. We're back in church. Now, some of you that, that are new here and you don't understand what is so awesome about that. What's awesome about that is that that's where churches are really built is on Wednesday night. Because it's, it's what I call halftime. It's where you get your halftime talk. So Thursday and Friday and Saturday seem a whole lot better when you come to church on Wednesday. We go about an hour and five minutes. We give a word of the Lord. Now, uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start teaching this Wednesday night. I'm going to start a series called The Life God Blesses. We're going to do that series, and it's going to be wonderful. And you don't want to miss that because it's got a lot of stuff in it, a lot of stuff in it that I didn't think about, but I'm a good reader, and I'm a good studier. And, uh, you know, they call it plagiarism if you steal from one. They call it research if you steal from many. And so... <laughs> I've researched and I've, I'm, I'm ready to teach to you on Wednesday night. And so I love you very much. It's good to see you today, Wednesday night, 7.30, and we'll have praise and worship. And one thing we do on Wednesday night, you know, in the Holy Week between uh, Palm Sunday and Easter, we're having Brandon Lake here that wrote that song, Graves in the Gardens. We, we're going to have him here on a Wednesday night, on a Wednesday night singing for us. And uh, he's never sung with better people in his life than he's going to sing with here on that day. But what a joy, what a joy just to be in God's house. Would you stand all over the house? I'm going to speak today on the gospel 101. The gospel 101. Everybody say the gospel. The gospel. 101. Everybody say, Pastor. Pastor. Preach to me today. Let the word touch my mind. Let it change my mind. Preach to me today. 
Let the word touch my heart. Let it change my heart. Preach to me today. Let me leave here a better person than what I was when I came in. The word today. Genesis chapter 37, and Reuben said to them, speaking about Joseph, shed no blood, but cast him into this pit, which is in the wilderness, and do not lay a hand on him, that he might deliver him out of their hands and bring him back to his father. So really, Reuben was for him, but he said, put him in this pit. He wanted to get him out of the hands of the brothers that wanted to slay Joseph because of his dreaming. So it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the tunic of many colors that was on him. Then they took him and cast him into a pit and the pit was empty and there was no water in it. Don't you hate that? No water, no drinking fountain. Verse 29, five verses later, then Reuben returned to the pit and indeed Joseph was not in the pit and he tore his clothes. In five verses, something happened to the man that was in the pit. In five verses. Not three chapters, not three books, but five verses later, something happened. The Gospel 101. Everybody say amen. Amen. You may be seated, and I won't be long. I hope. All right, now let me talk to you. I'm the preacher. Let me talk to you, okay? Joseph's story is awesome. There are some things that cannot be denied. The scripture makes it clear that Joseph was chosen by God. He was anointed by God. He had a destiny given to him by God. He was favored by God. He was favored by his earthly father. He was the son of old age of his father. God was with Joseph. And that sounds like a winning combination. It really does. Judging from that criteria, it would look like Joseph had it made. It would look as though he was living the good life, sipping strawberry lemonade that I love at mighty fine. (laughs) The only thing between me and mighty fine is you. You'd expect to find his book under the lifestyles of the rich and famous by Joseph, son of Jacob. But when reading the Bible, we find this same Joseph who had everything going for him, who was anointed by God, who was favored by his earthly father and wore a coat of many colors to prove it, one day found himself in a pit, in a pit. Now let me stop here for just a minute and tell you, If somebody ever came to you and told you when you became a Christian that all your problems would be over and that you would never hurt again, you'd never cry again, you'd never suffer again, they lied. They lied. The good book says in Psalms 34, many are the afflictions of the righteous. But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. All, all. Christians do not live in a vacuum. They're not bubble wrapped. Christians have problems too. They get sick. They get the COVID. I buried some of them this last year. Christians get in debt. They get divorced. They get their hearts broken. Christians get in places that they shouldn't be. 
They run into walls. The pit is in all of our lives. Sometimes you fall in. Sometimes you jump in. And sometimes you pushed in like Joseph was. But regardless of how you got there or where you are there, a pit is a pit. And if you stay in it, you will die. Dreams die in the pit. Ministries die in the pit. Gifts die. Callings die. Marriages die. They all die in this thing called the pit of life. Reuben was the firstborn of Jacob and Leah. And his name means unstableness. And he was responsible for Joseph's pit. Unstableness will put you in pits in your life. It was Reuben, unstableness, that suggested they throw Joseph in the pit. Now, I do not think it was a mean act from Reuben. It was just a means to rid Joseph, the dreamer, from his brothers. And we don't know what happened, but whatever it was, we know this. Reuben was there when Joseph was thrown into the pit, but he was not there when Joseph got out of it. He was gone. The point is, Reuben was surprised. He was shocked. Because he saw Joseph go into it, he saw him struggling and begging to be delivered from it, but now he's looking at that same pit expecting to see pitiful Joseph, full of fear, confused and stressing and crying and begging to be delivered, but Joseph wasn't there. Remember, whatever is responsible for you being in a pit today will not be visible when you come out. Amen. It won't be around. Peter was in prison in Acts 12 and he was delivered and he said in, in Acts 12, now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angels and has delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from the expectation of the people of the Jews. There are people that think when Christians get in over their head that they'll never come out of that situation. Pits were made for overcomers to stay in. Or not to stop. Pits were not made for overcoming to stay in. Just a quick step to the next victory. That's all it's about. I wish somebody would tell themselves, you know, I'm coming out of this today. I'm coming out of it today. I want to declare something to you. It doesn't take a long time to come out of something that the devil's put on you. If the enemy puts something on you in a day, it doesn't take God six months to get you right. What God can do, he can do just as quick or quicker than what the enemy can do against you. Come on, somebody, help me preach right now. All power is given to him in heaven and earth. All power. Hell may have tricked you, but God's got something greater for you right now. I wish somebody would tell themselves, I'm coming out. I don't know what that pit is for you today. It could be debt. God, I hope not. It could be sickness. Might be addiction or despair, depression, marriage problems, dysfunctionality in homes that look so deep and dark and foreboding and impossible that you feel like giving up. Or it may be a spiritual pit and you just don't feel God's presence like you used to feel God's presence and you're dry and you're discouraged. You know why? Many times because you hadn't been in his presence. It's very difficult to get in his presence, but the Bible said in Hebrews 10, 25, forsake not the assembling yourselves together. As a matter of some is, the more so as you see the day approaching. Folks, it's good to be in church today together. And you're spaced out. 
and you feel comfortable and you can wear your mask, but we're in the house of God. There's something about God's house. When people get together, he said, I'm gonna bless that people today and he's here to do it right now. He's here to do it. I don't know what your pit is. They come in all different shapes and sizes, but I want you to tell yourself, I spent my last night in the pit. No more, no more. You gotta make that statement. You gotta declare that to yourself. 2021 is a new year. I'm not getting that old pandemic from 220 back in me. I'm not gonna get it. It's new hopes, it's new dreams, it's new ambitions, it's new desires. I'm moving forward. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy will come in the morning. Reuben came back to the pit where he last saw Joseph and Joseph wasn't there. There are some people that thought they knew you pretty well. They thought they knew where to look for you and they talked about your pitiful condition to other people. But that was yesterday. Today's a new day. And I hear Joseph say, don't die in that pit. I didn't. You don't have to. I heard Joseph say the fall doesn't have to be fatal. You can live again. Don't quit dreaming because you ran into a pit. Don't quit believing. Don't quit trusting. Don't quit expecting. Don't quit hoping. The pit is a death knell for Joseph, but he made a quick visit. He had a turnaround. God is a God of turnarounds. <laughs> and nobody makes turns arounds like this. Woo. Oh, I see something. Hang on. You know what you do when you see something? You want to turn around, you just make a U-turn and go. It doesn't take all day to make a turnaround. Joseph had a turnaround. Job had a turnaround. Daniel had a turnaround. Three Hebrew boys in a fire furnace had a turnaround. Jonah in a fish had a turnaround. And guess what? Jesus had a turnaround. They sealed the tomb. They said he's not coming back. But on the third day, the stone was rolled away and Jesus came out. You hear me? God's got a turnaround for you in 2021. I believe that. I believe that from Genesis to Revelation, God turns it around. And if you haven't been convinced yet, all you have to do is look in a mirror. Paul wrote in Corinthians, he said, some, some were like this. You were pushers, you were prostitutes. Some were thieves, you were liars. You were adulterers, you're fornicators. You're alcoholics, you're drug addicts. But that was the old man. That was B.C., before Christ. I've had a turnaround. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Can I tell you something? We had about 50, 55 people signed up for baptism today. Can I tell you? 50 to 55 salvations hit us today. The oh, hallelujah. The Bible says, he that believeth, and is baptized, shall be saved. Can you get excited over salvation today? Come on. You get excited? I love people that don't know a lot about it. They just know they want it and they get it. And then God says, if you'll just walk with me in the spirit, I'll direct your path the rest of your days. Now I want you to see something here. 
It happened suddenly. It happened suddenly. I love suddenlies in life. One minute he was in the pit. One minute he was in the dark. One minute it was terminal. One minute it looked like the end. And suddenly everything changed. Suddenly he was standing in the sunlight. In an instant everything changed. In one minute what was terminal and what was staring him in the face was over and it was behind him. In Luke chapter 5, Peter fished all night. He was a great fisherman. But he had fished all night. And he had caught nothing. And Jesus wanted to borrow his boat to teach the people on the shore. Jesus gets in that boat and after he gets through fishing, I'm teaching. He says, Peter, I want you to launch out in the deep and for a draw to fish. And Pete looks at him and he said, Lord, you don't get it. I'm a fisherman. We fished all night. That's when you're supposed to catch them. And we caught nothing. But then Pete had this thought, that's Jesus. He said, but nevertheless, it's your word. We need some neverthelesses in our life. Not our word, but his word. At your word, I will launch out. And he went from nothing to something very suddenly. He went from empty nets to so many fish, they were breaking nets. He went from an empty boat to a sinking boat. He went from loss to profit, from weeping to rejoicing, from a loser to a winner. Suddenly... At the lowest point in Joseph's life physically and spiritually, God stepped in. Now, I want you to listen to me now. I'm going to teach a little bit, then I want to preach. Reuben may have put him in, but a man named Judah got him out. In chapter 37, verse 26, the Bible said, so Judah said, So Judah said, Judah had something to say. Now, Reuben means unstableness. That's what gets you in the pit sometimes. But Judah means praise. Judah means praise. Unstableness will get you in the pit. But when Judah starts talking, when praise starts extending from you, when you start praising, you come out of the pit. It wasn't his coat of many colors that got him out. It wasn't his anointing that got him out. It wasn't even the dreams that he dreamed that got him out. Judah means praise, and praise got him out. Reuben put him in. Judah got him out. I don't care how you got in the pit. I don't care who it was and what it was. I came to tell you that praise will get you out of the pit. This is the gospel 101. This is not a non-denominational sermon. This is not a spirit-filled sermon. This is not a Pentecostal sermon. This is a Bible sermon. And I'm telling you, it wasn't pretty Judah, but it was ugly Judah. God loves pretty praise. He loves that. The circumstances may not have been of Joseph's choosing. Nevertheless, Judah was responsible for getting him out of the pit. Ugly Judah got him out. Why are you saying it ugly, Pastor? The point I'm trying to make is that praise doesn't have to be pretty to be powerful. Some of my greatest praise has been when I've been weeping, when my back is against the wall, when I went through tragedy in 1981. On a Friday, I went to church on Saturday and I just walked into the building that I'd pastored for five years and now I was minus two family members. And I walked in and I said, Jesus, you know what I'm here to do? 
I'm here to first of all ask you, is this what you get for preaching five years? Is this the results? Your wife and your son are gone now. But I said, Lord, don't have to answer that. God said, I'm gonna be with you, son. I walked down the middle aisle and I lifted my hands. I lifted my hands and I began to praise him. It wasn't pretty praise. It was ugly praise. It was praise that was hurting. It was praise that was painful. It was praise that was mind boggling. It was praise that was putting me under. But when I walked out of there that day, I said, there's nothing that I can't do in God. There's nothing I can't do in God. I don't care how deep the pit. I don't care how dry the pit. I don't care how bad the pit. When you start praising him, you're coming out of the pit. Anybody can put on pretty praise when the battle's over, but you gotta start where you are right now. So let me ask you, where are you right now? Anybody can praise God when the sickness is healed. Anybody, that's pretty praise. Anybody can praise God when the marriage is restored and the family's mended. Anybody can praise God when you got good retirement, money in your wallet, money in the bank. Anybody can praise God, but I'm saying today, it takes something to shout in the face of your problems. It takes something to praise in the face of a doctor's bad report. The cancer is terminal. It takes something to shout when you don't have two nickels to rub together. It takes something when you're going through the fire to lift your hands and lift your voice and say, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear his word, hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I don't know what put you in, but I know what can take you out. Start with the dark. Start in the dark with the walls closing in on you. Start where you're laying in that hospital bed. Start where you're at the bottom of that pit. Start where you're in the middle of your pain. Start where you're in the inner prison at midnight with your hands and your feet bound. It may not be pretty. In fact, it may be ugly, but give God praise. Give God praise. You know, the dictionary calls ugly very unattractive or unpleasant to look at, offensive to the sense of beauty. Displeasing in appearance. <laughs> I don't know if I could ever give God pretty praise because I'm too ugly to give him pretty praise. <laughs> but real praisers sometimes get loud. Real praisers sometimes get undignified. Real praisers sometimes get messy. They don't worry about their hair or their makeup. Real praisers can be offensive to pretty praisers. Pretty praisers know how to control their praise. Oh, hallelujah, glory. But you give me somebody that can throw his hands in the air. Listen, listen, listen. Let me preach. Let me preach. I'm the preacher. And he's done everything he can do. He's done all he knows to do. But his last resort is I believe I'll just praise the Lord today and watch God take the wall away. Watch God put the pit out of your life and get you out of it. Watch God put you on a paved road. Watch God do what he's supposed to do because he inhabits the praises of his people. That's where he lives. I don't know what puts you in, but I know what will take you out. Praise will take you out. He wants it through your tears and your groans. He wants ugly praise. He wants it while your heart is breaking. 
He wants your praise through your bloodshot eyes. He wants it when it doesn't make sense. He wants it when you're going through hell. He wants it when you don't feel a thing. You know, I'm trying to get past this, but I feel like somebody here, you've been trying to get everything prim and proper. You're trying to get everything good. You're waiting till everything is just perfect. You want to give God a fancy praise. You want to dress it all up and make it pretty, but that may not happen. But I know what you can do. You can give him some ugly praise today. You can give him some pit praise today, some jail time praise today. You can give him some praise that comes out of the bottom of your heart. And suddenly it'll happen in your life and you'll come out of the pit. But God said to tell you, just give me your ugly praise. Because he's going to use your ugly praise to get you out. You know, Job had lost everything that he had. But after he lost everything, his heart was breaking in a million pieces. More tragedy than a human being should ever have to endure. But in the middle of it all, Job gave God ugly praise. The Bible said he arose, he rent his mantle, he shaved his head, and he fell down on the ground, and he worshiped. The richest man in the east, the most powerful man in the east, the man that could pull strings with everybody, said, I know what's going to get me out of this. I don't know why I'm in it, but I know what's going to get me out of it. I'm going to shave my head. I'm going to drop everything that I have and I'm going to lift my hands and I'm going to worship and praise his name. That'll get you out of any situation because praise is God's avenue to success in your life. Come on now. Come on now. The Bible says he, he worshiped. It wasn't pretty sight. He gave God an ugly praise and God gave him a beautiful future. He received double for all that he had lost. You know, I may not have a choice in choosing my life, but I can choose my praise. My praise is my weapon of choice. Praise is a weapon. The enemy's purpose for the pit is to kill your praise. The devil hates your praise. He hates it. The devil knows if you ever get your praise on, he's in trouble. See, I have learned this. If I can get my praise on, I can get the enemy off. Somebody need to take a picture of that and put that on your bulletin board right now. Put that on your refrigerator. If I get my praise on, I get the enemy off. He can't stand around praise. Oh, I feel like walking right now a little bit. Come on, let's clap our hands. Let's get our praise on. Let's get our praise on. Come on. Come on. It's the first of the year. It's the first of the year. We need to move forward in a thing called praise. We need to move forward. Joseph was not the only man of God who ever found himself in a pit. David was in a pit. In Psalms 40, he said, he brought me also up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock and established my going. Jeremiah the prophet found himself in a horrible pit. Jeremiah chapter 38, in Abimelech, the Ethiopian said to Jeremiah, put now thee, these old cast cloths and rotten rags under your armholes, under the cords. And Jeremiah did so. And they offered Jeremiah, God's man, the prophet of God, some old thrown out filthy rotten rags. And he put them under his arms and they lifted him out. Don't let pride keep you in your pit. There's no time for that. Because we can't make this by ourselves. We need him to help us. Yeah. Some people want to praise God on their own terms. 
You want to praise God when something big happens. You want to praise God when you feel like it. You want to praise God when it makes sense. You want to praise God moderately, conveniently, quietly. But sometimes your pride can keep you bound. It can keep you in your pit. It'll keep you from your miracle. Isaiah 61 said, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Are you tired of being heavy? Are you... I'm not talking about bluebell heavy. Are you tired? Are you tired of being heavy? Are you tired of dragging around these old things in your life? Why don't you take that off and put on a garment of praise? Why don't you put on a garment of praise? Why don't you let praise become your weapon in your life and watch God do great things? I've come to tell somebody today, my praise may look like old rags to you, It may look like ugly to you. It may be extravagant. It may be extreme. It may be emotional, too emotional. It may be loud. It may even be offensive. And some may even go so far as to call it ugly. But that's all right. Ugly praise got Joseph out of a pit. Ugly, ugly garments got Jeremiah out of the pit. Ugly praise brought Paul and Silas out of prison. David would tell you, don't throw away those old rags. God will use them to get you out of your pit. I need to close, but I'm going to close heavy. I'm going to close heavy. I want you to listen to me. David, after 40 years of Saul's reigning in Israel, David became king. First of Judah, then all of Israel. He was anointed three times. Jesse's house in Hebron and in Hebron, Judah, and then Israel. And the first thing that David wanted was the glory to come home. The glory. I think I'm from the tribe of Judah. David was from the tribe of Judah. By the way, Jesus was the son of David. He's from the tribe of Judah. Jesus is not despising what I'm preaching today. He's loving what I'm preaching today. Because when you praise him, you open up avenues and areas in your life that nothing else will do. And it doesn't matter how successful you are in life. It doesn't matter how much money you have. There's nothing that can touch the throne of God like your praise to him. And David said, I'm going to bring the glory home. Now, you got to watch this. When Israel came out of Egypt, they came out this way. They came out with the Ark of the Covenant ahead of 11 tribes. But there was one tribe ahead of the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God. That was the tribe of Judah, the tribe of praise. Praise always precedes God's glory. You don't see the glory, then you praise. You praise and the glory comes on you. Come on now. You can see nothing, but when you praise, here comes glory. When you praise, here comes glory. Glory will always catch up to praisers. And when David brought it home, he got a little silly. He got ugly with his praise. He took off all of his kingly wardrobe and he got down to a a buffoon, which was a court jester that used to come in and turn somersaults and all and introduce the king. But David was introducing the glory. He was the king, but the glory was more important than his kingship. I'm going to get a little heavy with you now. Take off all your robes and all your fancy stuff because it's not us. It's about him. It's not what I am, it's about what he makes me. 
Come on, get your praise on and glory will wrap you up. And his little old wife up there in the window, the king's daughter, Saul's daughter, Michael, said, David, you uncovered yourself today. You look foolish down there. And David looked at her and he said, well, lady, let me tell you something. I love you. You're a pretty girl. And I'm glad I got you when I slayed Goliath. But let me tell you something. Hear me. God knew me before your daddy ever knew me. Before I got into politics, I got into God's power. And he knew me. And honey, if you think that I have praised him, all I'm going to praise him, you just hadn't seen anything yet. I'm going to be more vile than this when I praise him the next time. Because I'm going to take this glory up to Mount Zion. I'm going to open up all the curtains. I'm going to put the Ark of the Covenant there. I'm going to let everybody in the whole world that comes by to feel the presence of God. Because I want God's presence to fill this whole earth. And you know what? I believe that God has placed a church in South Austin that's going to be that kind of church. The glory of God is going to be here because praise is always going to fill this house. Come on now. Praise is always going to fill this house. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Woo! Now, here's my clothes. Randy, come on, help me. Come and help me. I got a microphone here. This is the only one they let me use. Because it doesn't work. Well, let me, let, me, let, me, let me close with this right here. Let me close. It's real early. You're not ready to go home yet. You'll beat the Baptists and the Methodists and the Presbyterians to the cafeteria. Let me finish this sermon. Let me finish. Jacob loved Rachel. She was barren. Laban gave him Leah. She wasn't barren. And Jacob went into Leah and they had a son named Reuben. Everybody say Reuben. He's the one that was unstable. And his name to Leah meant that I am afflicted. God has seen that I'm afflicted. So he gave me a boy named Reuben. Affliction was her load when she had Reuben. And then a second son was born named Simeon. And she said, the Lord has seen that I was hated. And she birthed Simeon. And then the third son was Levi. Now Levi was where the priests came out of, the ministry, the errands, the people of faith, the people that kept the church in order in the Old Testament, the Levites. And she said, now my husband will be joined to me. In other words, I'll get some attention now because I birthed the preaching family. I birthed something here. And then she had a fourth son. And she said, I will call him Judah. Now I will praise the Lord. Watch this now. And she quit childbearing. This is my point. You can have a lot of kids, spiritual kids. You can birth a lot of things in your life. But when you birth praise, you can drop them up. When you birth praise in your life, something happens and you come out of pits 
and you come out of bad things and you come out of heartbreak, praise is an open door. Oh, magnify the Lord with me right now. That's the gospel 101 today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey, hey, why don't we really just give him a hand clap that he deserves right now? Come on, as, as big as you can give it. As big as you can give it. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I will say of the Lord, you are my God, and you will I trust. Now you may be seated, because church isn't over yet. You thought it was, but it's not. I bless you in the name of the Lord. I bless you in the name of the Lord. I want to do something right now. How many people, March of last year till right now, have joined our church during this pandemic? Would you stand? Would you stand? Would you be brave enough to stand up? Come on, stand up, stand up, stand up. Come on, stand up, stand up. I love it, I love it. Stand up, come on, stand up, stand up. I love y'all. Come on, stand up. Now, would you be brave? And would you come up those stairs and up these stairs and on this stage with me? I want to show you off. Come on, come on up here right now. Come on up here right now. Come on up here right now. I want to show you off. Come on. If you don't have a mask, they'll give you one. If you don't have a mask, you'll get one coming up. Come on. We're going to be on TV, and so we want people to see us mask up here. Come on. Come on up here. Isn't this cool? Come on. Woo, this is cool, isn't it? Come on, give them a hand. Come on, give them a hand. I love y'all. I love y'all. I love y'all. I love all of you. Come on. Get your mask on. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's so cool. That's so cool. Isn't that good? Are you? No. Y'all, come on. Let's make another row here. Make another row. Come on. Come on. Make another row here. Come on, brother. Come on, sister. Come on. Take them down there, Marnie. I love y'all. I love y'all. Love you. Wow. I'm going to drop three or four more mics here. Come on here. Come on. Come on. Folks. Check it out. Ah! Check it out. These are your peeps. These are your people. Christians, fellow Christians in Christ. Hallelujah. 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 Now, Anybody want to say anything? <laughs> now listen, I'm not going to ask them to sing a school song or anything. I just wanted you to see when a church has vision, what happens? We were told no church on March 14th. We had online service March 15th. We got our permit to demolish and take this church apart November, I mean, March 16th. We finished this building, really, about November the 28th. We got in under the wire December 20. But today, 
the end of January, we're welcoming a whole throng of people. Listen. This, this was probably three times as many people as I had when I came here. Maybe four times. Thank you, Tom. I hear one of my old saints there. Thank you, Tom. But look what God has done. In nine months, look what God has done. You hear me? You hear me? We must be a beacon to people that understand that God dwells and he inhabits the praise of his people. And today... I preach throwback. This has always been my sugar stick. Praise and worship's always been my sugar stick. But I'm so happy you responded and loved it today because I believe with all my heart that when we do this and praise him, glory will envelop this house. And all you precious folks, all of you, all of you, I'm gonna look you right in the eye, all of you, I love you very much. I love you very, very much, and I'm so happy. And you know what? You ought to come by and let me buy you a hamburger. I won't even ask you to buy. I do burgers well. I love y'all, love y'all, love you, love you, love you. I love y'all, love you, love you, man. I love you, I love you, love y'all, love you. I love you, sweetheart. I love you, buddy. This old boy was a running back for Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, yeah. So... If anything breaks out, he'll be my lead blocker. <laughs> I love all y'all. I love you, 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 love you. This kid right here can ballet to the moon and back. <laughs> and her husband is a movie maker. I love you guys. I love you guys. Hey, you've been here a while. <laughs> now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to come up to the edge of the stage. They got to get down. And I want you to hug on them, not hug them, but shake their hand and say, welcome. I want you to be on both sides here because it's just now 12.08. We dismiss at 12.15. See, I, I timed this. I'm not keeping you late. And I want you just to take a little time to fellowship. I'm broken today. I'm broken at the goodness of God. It just messes me up. It messes me up. And our kids will come over tonight and we'll sit at the table and I'll probably cry. Not because I'm 17. <laughs> Figure that out. But because of the goodness of God. He's been good to us. I honor you for this building, Lord. I honor you for your presence. And I honor you for where you're taking us in life. We're going to heaven with you. We love you. Amen. Raise your hands. And say, God, bless the house. Bless our family. Bless all these precious new people. And give us great revival in 2021. I love you. See you Wednesday night. You're the best. Have a great day. I love all y'all. I love all y'all.